0: G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name is Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan a hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting.
1: Good evening, gents. G'day, how, you
2: G'day.
0: how are you? Good mine? G'day. And uh, special hello to uh, Byron. How are you?
2: Good, mate. How are you?
0: Very well, thanks. So for those who don't know Byron, and it's Byron Young. He's the uh, gunsmith and workshop supervisor for Breda Australia. And the reason I know that, is that's what says on your email. You it know, does say that on my email. Signature right. block. So if, if I've got it wrong, change your signature block. <laughs> no, no, that um, is what it says. And I, I believe you're in Victoria. I hope so, because I actually recommended someone to speak to you on Facebook. Someone was looking for a Victorian gunsmith, and I said, I know one.
2: Yep, no, we're um,
0: in Melbourne, yep. Byron and I have worked together on a couple of projects, uh, most notably the uh, what we call Indie, which was the uh, CDR platform that we built for Breder Australia and SSAA, which I've hunted with for about 18 months now, and most recently the Minecraft BRX. <laughs> Which that's, I'm, that's, I'm very happy. I've it, took it the that range. Is,
2: that is what it kept getting called in the workshop. <laughs> it. Was getting done. Everybody <laughs> asked, oh, <laughs> it's a Minecraft gun.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's the Minecraft gun. And yeah. uh, I showed it to my ten-year-old son. He said, "That's a Minecraft rifle." And yep. then he said, "Can I have it?" <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but before we jump into that conversation about uh, customizing rifles, which is a, a bit of a um, a thing of mine, how about we do our usual around the traps? And I suppose. For those who don't know, I've been uh, single dadding for now for five weeks with my wife overseas, so nothing's happened much this week for me. But for Ian and Jono, there's probably I uh, – let's talk about the local slam.
3: Well, where do we start? Where do we start? It was a hell of a weekend. It was an it awesome weekend. Slam aside, uh, so, Byron, we um, we uh, buddied up with a couple of newer hunters the listeners to the podcast and invited them out to a private block that we were lucky enough to get access to. And uh, so Jono took one of them and I took the other. And because there were two pairs, we had to up the stakes a little bit. So knowing what sort of game was on the block, there was pigs, goats, and deer. Nice. We dreamed up this local slam competition for the weekend that, meant that we had to take a pig, a goat and a deer for the weekend and the first team to do so would win. Um, now that changed the dynamics of the weekend. Oh, absolutely. Like you would not believe <laughs> the competitiveness that came out of everybody. But more than that, normally when you go away on a maybe a hunting weekend, you know, some of these private land ones, I love to use the words boys trip, but you know, it's a it's a, a weekend away, often with the fellas. And, you know, you'd head out and you'd you'd go hunting and you'd hunt your choice of game. But because we'd put the slam on the line, once you'd shot your first pig, no matter how big it was, they were off the menu. Mm -hmm. And we are bumping into them everywhere. And normally, you'd just carve them up. You know, you'd be getting them out of the way and, you know, laying into them, (laughs) you you really wouldn't hold back on them, especially some of the big ones we saw. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for my team, uh, pretty sure the first pig we shot was about this big. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit bigger than that, it was you know, but it was a it was a young pig, um, which meant that we weren't shooting pigs for the rest of the weekend. And the same happened to goats. I think John had gone to goats early, mm-hmm. which meant all of the rest of the mobs of goats that you saw and you saw probably in the hundreds all tallied up. Um, they were off, right? He was chasing deer because he had the first two. So it was a really fun weekend. Lots of um, Lots of bullshit, I guess. Spoken and sledged at each other, but had a hell of a time. Good, Johnny? Oh, it was a brilliant weekend. Um
1: yeah, it was fantastic. And as Ian said, the, the competition really added a, a different dynamic, a different spin to the, the whole weekend. Um we were out we we went out together, we parked in the same spot. Ian and John went one way, Rowan and I went the other. And <clears throat> you know, we we kind of we were we were hunting whatever we could find come up first. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we were sitting there and, and Rowan said to me, oh, at least they haven't shot anything. And then about two minutes later, <laughs> we just heard, boom. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we happened to be putting a, a stalking on some goats. That was the first game that we had seen. We had seen Tony sign, but the, the goats stuck their head up. And then about a minute later, we heard, boom, another shot. And the goats just dispersed. And we're like, right, well, that's them on the board. Mm-hmm. The message came through on the Zolio that, uh, you know, goats down, we're on the They're board. Praying. And- praying messages. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um we, we we had nothing at that point. Um,
3: it was funny. It was it was it was it was funnier than just a brag message. Yeah, because then we were climbing hills to get Facebook <laughs> messages out to tell our punters what we were doing. Yeah, so you are burning time. There was a point in time where you were literally just climbing up out well, of the valley. Well, that was So we
1: within of- about oh, probably probably 20 minutes of them getting their pig, we 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 actually got a pig. We were stalking goats and we came across a, a mob of pigs and Rowan put a great shot in on quite a nice little ball. Um, and then we shot a couple more out of that mob. Um, and then we, we kept going and we saw some goats and, um, we, we put a stalk in on the goats and we shot the goats and literally Rowan shot the goats. And I had this idea to get to the top of the hill so I could put up a brag mm-hmm. post and, uh, and show off I was three quarters of the way up the hill. And suddenly I see hurls and, and John mm-hmm. up on the side of the hill. <laughs> they had seen the, a mob of goats and were coming in to have a stalk on them, heard the shot and and then saw me up on the hill. So. We had a bit of a banter on that, but that kept it I think the banter continued the whole weekend. It really was. It was. Well, it was it great. still is. Oh, Even yeah.
3: on the messenger yeah. group tonight, it's still going. Um, um, which is pretty funny. It was a. Gotta rid of that photo. Yeah. By the way, off the off our page. But anyway, it was um a hell of a lot of fun. In the in the country, we were in a couple of thousand acres, um, incredibly steep gorge country. Um, yeah. So perfect goat stuff. Um, at places, that gorge was sheer drop down mm. 150 metres or so to the valley floor. Um, it was nuts. It was great. It was such great terrain. Uh, it made everything challenging. It gave our rifles the opportunity to to do some cool stuff. I was running the um, the Benelli Lupo that I called you the day before we left uh, to talk about getting that um, Spartan um, thing on. Yep. Um, and I had the Eliminator 5 on. And at one point during the weekend, we had goats at oh, – sorry, we had pigs at 560 meters, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. 530, 560, something like that. And um, I thought, oh, stuff it. Now, we've got the tool. Let's let's have a go. And um, I lined up with the, it was 306 at 560 meters. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Eliminator said it, you know, it gave me all of the holdovers and, and everything that I needed, the elevation points. And we let it go, and I missed. Now, we had it all on camera, and it was only when I got it back home and looked at it on a big screen in slow mo, man, that was on for all money. It was a bloody good shot. Um, unfortunately, the pig's head was down behind a rock, and I hit the rock, hmm. and that's that's, that's why cute. we missed the shot. Uh, in hindsight, so man, what a cool what a cool experience. That was a great experience. And I mean, a lot of people do long range shooting, but it's good to be able to <clears throat> it's good to be able to use the tools for what they're designed for and, and have that confidence in them. So hmm. um, be keen to have another go. Uh, at something at that distance, even when I get back out to the range and try it out, because um, I was pretty impressed with that. Mm. And we're glad, Mark. We're work. glad you went there because with the number of pigs, you would have been you you would have run out of ammo, put it that way.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leave that there where it is. <laughs> Leave that where it lies.
3: Well, whoever his buddy would have been would have been sorely disappointed <laughs> that they got stuck on one species for the whole weekend. Yeah, that's there would be no
1: deer or no goats. That's for sure. Yeah, no uh, goats, no deer. But, yeah, we, must, really... we saw hundreds of pigs and goats. Good good deer numbers as well. It was a, it was a fantastic block. There was so much game on that mm. block. It's crazy.
3: You had a wholly different experience, though. You and Rowan saw heaps of animals. Mm. It was Hendo and I. Um, I mean, yes, we saw heaps of pigs. Um, but we, we shot goats in pretty much the only mob of goats we saw. And we shot deer and pretty much the only deer that showed up mm. whereas you're seeing them in mobs of 15 and 20.
1: yeah i mean we saw in the and one day I saw,
3: I saw two and then i saw one that was it
1: yeah, and that one day we saw at least 25 deer um mm. and didn't get one unfortunately but yeah we must have seen 25 deer we saw mobs of 20 25 goats at a time and we saw multiple mobs so yeah very different experience obviously you guys Got lucky and and won. Nice. Um,
3: ah, we we shot what we saw. We didn't let him walk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll leave the bandra alone. Poor old. Both of our teams could have closed the slam out on the first day. Yep, absolutely. Um, we both ran into a bit of trouble with certain things. Um, poor old Rowan is still is still uh, a bit bit raw about you know good sized bucks standing in front of him and having. Um, Feeding problems with his ammo. Yeah, correct. He was just really well, struggling just to feed that rifle. That rifle, how much do you reckon it weighed? Oh, well, that was, it's like made out of solid steel. Yeah, Barney, you solid- you'll appreciate
1: this, mate. He had a, it was a what Parker Hale two seventy yeah. with a heavy target barrel on it, and he was lugging this thing up and down the hills and and trying to shoot offhand with this. <laughs>
2: I work work with someone who highly reveres Parker Hale target rifles and would probably try and do the same thing so that that no one might be up for
1: sale
3: he's so frustrated yeah (laughs) I I reckon this one's up for sale I reckon yeah
2: okay right tool for the job perhaps (laughs) not so much
3: (laughs) not so much no that's all right. but great weekend all up Mark and um, yeah looking forward to putting that one on again and picking a couple of new fellas to come with us next time and see what happens
0: (laughs) I'm I'm certainly going to try and make myself available for that time, <laughs> and I might just shoot pigs. <laughs> oh in the spirit of it, sure. Yeah, well, I'll take the what's name. I'll take the BRX, and if they rip, if the, if it's in with a hundred meters, I'll take it with the, <laughs>
3: They're all yeah. within hundred meters. Mate, with at one point, will So at one point, we were Break. within
1: two or three meters of the pigs. We were trying to catch them little yeah. hand at one point. Yeah, time, so
3: breaking a, breaking from cover at two to five meters everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay so uh as we said boren's uh Byron and i've worked together on a couple of projects and really wanted to get him on one because you know technically brian I, I don't know how you would describe it but Byron is part of us uh, uh, part of our in you know uh getting that gear to us uh, both of you were using rifles that you know went through his hand on the weekend both those Benelli's, and uh, I've certainly had a lot to do with Byron in terms of rifles, rifle builds. So, I suppose before we jump into the the, the technical side of things, Byron, give us a, why don't you give us a bit of a background how you, you how you came to be out there at Beretta in the in, in the gunsmith gunsmithing space.
2: Okay, well, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, look, I suppose as most people that sort of get involved in guns as growing up, you know watching movies and all that sort of stuff, you always get a, a bit of a fascination for, you know, guns and, and cars and, and all the toys that everybody ends up having. But um, look, out, out of school, I did an apprenticeship as a fitter and turner uh, in the automotive industry as an engine conditioner. So, I mean, we are working oh, okay. working on anything from mainly, you know, drag cars and historical uh, restoration stuff through to a bit of aeronautical, bit of maritime stuff. Um, I was there for, I think it was around about eight years or so, um, and I think I just wanted a bit of a change of pace. And by that point, I'd already had my firearms license and was, you know, straight into doing a lot of target shooting and just having fun and having a play. So I still started looking for a job and happened to see the advertised uh, Beretta Australia job and went, well, oh, perfect!" I put in for that. That guns have always interested me, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose oh, wow. you, I suppose you could say I kind of fell into it in that regard that it just happened to be the right time um you know the the machining side of things is not i wouldn't say similar in terms of what you're doing but the way you do it is very much the same and and working on engines i mean some of the tolerances are 10 times finer than say chambering a rifle for example in terms of minimum maximum stuff like that um yeah so i mean it goes well with one of my biggest passions is is machining in itself. Doesn't really matter what sort of machining it is. It's I like making Swarf, I like making chips, I like creating things. Um and fixing them as well, so long as it's not a complete nightmare to fix. <laughs> um yeah, so look I've been at Beretta now I'm trying to think how long it's been. I think it'd be about four years now I've been there. Um and yeah, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, we obviously opened up the doors of Beretta Australia to all makes and models of guns, not just our own, for customization, repair, and stuff like that. Um, every day going to work, there's more work in there.
0: <laughs> oh, so uh, so you didn't actually come. Oh, that's interesting. You didn't actually come from a uh, the from a, a trade background with firearms. It's just something you you moved no. into.
2: So I mean, that's the biggest problem in Australia now is that there's no. I suppose there's no recognized qualification anymore as as gunsmithing or well, not something you can go to a trade school or a tech school to learn most of the time. Oh, okay. I mean it depends states all states have their different legislation, but for Victoria, for example, it's to become a gunsmith, generally speaking of a senator dealer's license to obviously take books and repair and modify firearms, but the only qualification that they really want is. Generally, uh, any metalworking trade. So, fitter and turner. I mean, they accept locksmiths and sheet metal workers, all that sort of that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not sure about the other states of Australia, but I'm fairly certain they're pretty similar. Um, and no one really offers, you know, training per se in Australia. Uh, obviously, around the world, there's different avenues for that. Um, yeah, but here it's, it's sort of most of the guys that that are doing uh, gunsmithing are you know either some sort of metalworking trade background and, you know, they might have been gunsmithing for 30, 40 years, but they might not have gotten started in it straight away. Um, You know, some might have just come from general fabrication. Um, it, It sort of varies. Everyone's different. I mean, I've met gunsmiths that have been doing it for 30 years and they have no technical trade background. They've just been sort of doing it for that long, long before it was needed to have a trade to do it and have the dealer's license and, most importantly, the experience and the skills to do it.
0: Now that explains why Pine Rivers is locksmith. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. locksmith. I never figured that. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Otherwise, so, yeah, so. oh, you yeah. know, here's the robbery part, and here's the fixing. Well, they've <laughs> shut down now. It's kinda like They like they they were playing on both sides of the fence. There. Right? Yeah, they've shut down, Mark. Speak. Unfortunately. I was going to say I, okay. can't, yeah. I
2: can't speak for them specifically, but locksmith is one of the trades that is recognised yeah. as a you know a, a stepping stone for gunsmithing in Australia. Yeah,
0: because yeah, they were though. Yeah. Uh, John has told me they've closed down. I didn't know that, but then again, I haven't been there for years. But yeah, when you, I, I got some stuff done for f- by them some years ago, and you know they were a locksmith. Mm. Yeah, you know, and it was like kind of you went in there and it was like it was the locksmith office of two first. Two shops. Yeah, yep. You know, it was like there was a long counter, and now uh, if you, you know, to the left is a locksmithing side, and to the right was the gunsmithing side. Yeah, that's I mean, really interesting. I mean, yeah, man. and I mean they yeah. didn't do just. They but, did, you know, all sorts of. Gunsmithing work there, yeah. But yeah, I didn't Mm. never realize that. That's very interesting.
2: I mean, the the other option that I mean, there's probably quite a few of would be would be you know some sort of defence force training, like you know as an armour or something like that. Obviously, Mm. natural armoury type thing. Yeah, natural career progression into doing something external uh, in the same field, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, many people that you know were trained by their father or their family who had done it twenty years ago and. Obviously they just followed straight in the footsteps. Uh yeah, unlike the rest of the like American stuff, obviously where there's formal courses and education that, for it. Um not something that's really offered here in Australia, at least not that I know of.
0: Wow. Hmm. That's really Didn't interesting. That. I, I've been involved hmm. in vet in vet education for a number of years on and off through different roles and that was one I never thought that you know, I mean, there's basically a vet course for just about everything, so that's really it's quite enlightening that they actually haven't got a gunsmithing one. Because, you know, most people you talk to who who are involved in gunsmithing have a, like a Fitter and Turner style, you know, type of background one way or the other.
3: Yeah, I mean, in, in mm. most of the work... I mean, yeah, no, you often hear people saying... Sorry, Byron. You often good. hear people saying, take that to a qualified gunsmith.
2: Yeah, it's a bit... It, right. It's an interesting one because, I mean, qualified, I suppose, it would be recognised mm. as that that's what they do for a living. Uh, I guess is what it boils down to, um, at least sort of nowadays anyway. But looking at sort of what you learn as, as a fitter and turner, uh, or, you know, some sort of machining background. I mean, most of the time you think of gunsmithing is, you know, obviously rebarreling, repairing firearms, making components and stuff. I mean, generally speaking that all those skills are are usually taught as, as a fitter and turner, you know, you learn how to cut threads, machine bores, ream holes, um, all sorts of stuff, drill and tap, sight holes. But You're just thinking of it of a different perspective, you know, instead of mounting yeah, an iron sight, you're mounting a, a flange to something, you know, the, the process is the same. It's just not a different item.
0: I suppose. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I, mean, it's, I mean, because certainly throughout, you know, times of war, they simply just turn, you know, one type of machining manufacturing into an armament. Absolutely. Mean, like, like many years ago when – when you were allowed to have semi-autos, I had a little um, M1 carbine. It was a little 30-cal, like basically through rocks to about 100 metres when they <laughs> fell out of the sky. But it was um, it was made by Ford.
2: Yep. It's, it's interesting. The Ford there's, there's a, it, there
0: was a Ford stamp
2: there's a lot of those sort of types of firearms from those periods that were made by some very unconventional manufacturers that you would never have guessed, mm. uh, especially stuff like that, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was made by Ford. Uh, I know GM did, you know, in, in the States, GM did the same thing and they basically, you know, carved off parts of their factories and established them for that kind of purpose or, or not established but turned them over for that purpose especially. But, yeah, they were um, – and, I mean, in Australia, Slashinger was a – Made guns. Yep, I, I'm assuming they made guns, or well, maybe they were made at Lithgow. But yeah, made a lot. They of were Slasinger. So you know, yeah. you go to a sports store. There's a tennis racket, and then there's a rifle type thing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's it's an interesting history yeah. in Australia of gunsmithing, and yeah, the the differences, and, and like I said, everyone, the the guys that you sort of talk to in the circle. Um, there's guys that. are You know, obviously, more, what would I say, not more experienced, but more prevalent in doing certain things, obviously, like stock making. um, There's guys that Mm. that might only do stock making and maybe only a little bit of other stuff, and then guys that might only do barrel fitting and machining. You know, there's a very mixed bag, and then there's guys that just do Cerakoting and and things like that, and then, obviously, there's the the ones that sort of try and do everything. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, some people sort of go, no, that's what I'm good at, that's what I like doing, that's what I'll stick to. Um, Mm. Yeah, it, it can vary quite a lot. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot of guys around doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I've found. It, you tend to get – they're either metal specialists or timber specialists, generally. Yeah, right? there's always
2: there's um, always those two categories, and there's a few guys in between. But, yeah,
0: absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, this has been – my Tika before, it's so a T3, but not a T3X. So the the first one, I got a stock built for that. And that guy, he did, also did metal fabrication, but his real specialty was stock, you know, he was a stock stock cutter and shaper. And um, that was really his specialty. So um, whereas other people, you know, I've, I've met, um, I think, is it Swan Barrels here in Queensland? Is that Swan mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of and there's a couple of there was a, a, a pre- prevalent barrel maker over just over at Evident Park here in Total very close to the city. Engineering. Total Solutions, yeah, they they, they made a lot of so when I used to shoot competition, you'd come across a lot of their stuff as well. Mm.
3: So Byron, do you um, travel to some of these shotgun shoots? Are you one of the guys that does the yeah I, I, the servicing for shotguns at uh, yeah? Is it called forever servicing? Yeah, like yeah. That. I remember when I was on those shotgun on the shotgun circuit. Yeah, it was always good to show up and see you guys there to take take the uh, the shotgun back and give it a good servicing and going over. It was yeah, it's a great service Beretta offers.
2: Yeah, look, I've I've done quite a few of them. Um, I mean, we try and share it around a little bit. Um, one of the other gunsmiths, Sergey, who's been a Beretta for 25, 27 years, something like that. Um, he's mainly the one that does most of that stuff. But yeah, I've, I've been to quite a few. Um, yep. We're always trying to fit as many of them as we can, but um, obviously there's a big logistical side of it um, for the travel and all the parts that we have for to sure. bring and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but yeah, look, we, I think we do, I mean, on average, we do sort of one a month, sometimes more depends each different part of the year. There's sometimes there's you know four or five in a month. Um, I mean, COVID has obviously changed that recently, and we're sort of bringing it back up now, but we usually attend the, the larger sort of state carnal events, um, nationals and things like that, usually the ones we go to. Um, I think yeah. earlier on the year I was on Flinders Island, um, had a, a sporting event there, uh, which I'd never been to Flinders Island before. It was good fun. Um, sort of went, well, we haven't ever been here before, let's go there. But we usually obviously attend sort of the, the big ones like Roma in Queensland, mm. Wagga Wagga, um, WA1s, all that sort of stuff.
0: So do you do, uh, I know with Beretta, you know, I remember the first time I ever saw the a Beretta shotgun that had just like the slab of timber on the end of it, you know?
2: I don't, I don't do it. But uh, Sergio is the master woodsman at He Britain. does, he does he, the shaping, he does on that. the, the fitting, and shaping all by hand. checkers them the yeah. whole nine yards, all by hand. He is a true wizard. Yeah. Uh, wow. he, he is a true wizard of stock making. Um, absolute beautiful work. Um, but yeah, he's been doing that for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So generally speaking, uh, we do that. I mean, we can do that on, on any model Beretta. Uh, obviously it's probably the most popular on say a DT 11 and, and the higher grade guns. Um, yeah. so generally speaking, person purchases that with the stock, um, or you can add it later, but generally they buy it as an inlet blank, which we import from Beretta Italy, uh, make an appointment. And they're there for at, at our head office in Melbourne for a couple of days. Um, you know, changing it, testing it um, at our range at work. Uh, Yeah, it's a a very long process. I mean, an enjoyable one, obviously, Mm. but um, to get it exactly how they want it, how it fits them and all that sort of thing. Uh, And then they might take it for a bit. I mean, we, we usually try to get them to take it in sort of its not rough form but obviously it's shaped and it has a rough sand doesn't have checkering and it's not finished in terms of the oil finish uh we sort of tape it up and seal it i mean we've, we've had guys that have been testing them for six months and they might send it back and go oh, i'll take a mill off the top or off the back and you know sort of play with it and then eventually they go yep happy with that and then sergey final sands it checkers it does all the finishing and everything and it looks million dollars at the end of it
0: yeah I remember the first time I saw that, you know, I was at a gun shop and I were in Iraq. And I you know, I don't even use this, you know, the very the really entry-level rifles and, I saw, and, and and shotguns. And I remember seeing the first Beretta shotgun that had the, you know, the unfinished stock. And I kind of went, what the, what's this? Is that like <laughs> boat a, paddle on is, is that like a storage device? Is, that, is it like a, like a packing, yeah. you know, to stop it from getting scratched on, on the shelf or something? Yeah,
3: yeah. And <laughs> I, um, I used to shoot the DT-11 and um, I remember when I took it to um, a friend uh, to get a adjustable um, plate put on the back of the stock, mm-hmm. you know, so I could put twist and everything in it. And as he was drilling into that stock, I was, felt like I was counting the $100 notes <laughs> pouring out of the drill bit hole as the walnut hit the floor. It's an expensive piece of gear. Yeah, well, you, but, you'd, um, hate to say how much, you'd hate to
2: see yeah. how much wood gets removed off one of those inleted planks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, would they? yeah. They're,
0: they're, they're a fairly sizable chunk of timber. Absolutely, yeah. 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 When, I, when I got my stock built for the the thirty O six, it took about three hours to select the timber because he, he he was obviously obviously it was a, already a purchased rifle, so we were selecting the timber for the stock. And that in itself was, you know, as I said, it's a three-hour process, and you just kind of was going oh, "Okay." And then he said, "Okay, you've got that. So, what 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 timber do you want for the end cap?" So we went, through, then we went and looking at the end cap pieces and so on and so forth. It was quite. I'd never. That was the first time I'd ever really get anything like that built custom. It's quite an interesting process to go through.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's a lot of yeah that goes into it. Uh, obviously, we if we have the ability to change the the blank out, uh, obviously we keep quite a few spare on the on the shelf um so yeah sometimes people get selection and everyone has their own taste you know some like it lighter darker um swirly bits non-swirly bits uh, all all the in-betweens um everyone's their own flair to what they want to have at the end result
0: yeah someone wants a bit of fiddle back or something through the middle absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah okay yeah are you are you
3: the first Point a call then for Australian warranty items that come back for our products They're coming absolutely. back through you yep. and then you're checking mm. stuff out. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So anything that falls under the Beretta is what, what, Beretta what, products. What advice would you give to someone that had their rifle run over by a friend?
2: Um, my first advice would be double S double A insurance is cheap and it and it's good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was going to say, get a new friend. <laughs>
2: yeah, that that that. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're going to fix it for you without, you know, you having to remind them every other day, maybe not get a new friend, but, uh, look, it it sort of depends. I mean, going back to sort of, uh, stock repairs, which obviously we do quite a lot of, um, I've seen some pretty destroyed looking pieces of timber. And by the end of it, you go, wow, is that the same piece of wood? Um, yeah, right. Like I said, a lot of people look at it and go, "Oh, that's, you know, we've, we've fixed things that are broken in two, three, four pieces before. Um, and you, I mean, depending where it breaks, obviously, sometimes we might have to fit mm. uh, reinforcing pins through the crack, but sometimes not. Sergey, like I said, is a wizard. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, internal stuff that can happen. And, and so you can't see it from the outside, um, refinished and all that stuff. And yeah, you'd be hard pressed to see it sometimes. Mm. So it depends how badly mm. it's been run over, I guess. A photo is probably where, you well, know, the thousand if there was no, sort of thing. If there was oh. no
1: visible damage. What would you check?
2: No visible damage. <laughs> um, yeah, look. I suppose you'd always start with. So
3: first, my my, my first thought, uh, my first thought is, how do you know whether a barrel has the slightest little. Bend in it, which is going to cause you major drama. Yeah, look, that that um, that would be like that. that
2: would be one where I'd say definitely wise to send it in to be inspected by someone who knows what they're looking for. Um, yeah, it, it sort of Ask for a Yeah, it, of it, it can. Like I said, it can depend. <laughs> I mean, we've had stuff that I've, I remember one shop had a, a shop or someone had it driven over with a forklift. Um, Oh. Yeah, and luckily enough, they'd driven over the rear stock part of it with the forklift, not the barreled action. <laughs> um, yeah. So, obviously, it was a, a timber repair rather than a metal repair, so to speak. But, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you can take some photos as, as a starting thing and get in contact with someone, us um, or someone else. I mean, that at least gets the ball rolling and we know sort of what you're talking about. Um, and then if it, you know, is possible from that perspective, then... Send it down, we could check it out and see what the go is. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You, you, you've got to think that there's plenty of people walking the mountains out there that accidentally drop a rifle Absolutely. or hits a rock, something oh, like yeah. that. Yep. I've always wondered um, how hard a drop might need to be for it to be something that needs a safety check. Yeah, not just a, oh, I've put a dump on it. I've certainly I've got a, an old scope here that has been sitting on my desk waiting to go back under lifetime warranty. Um, because it got dropped, the rifle got dropped when I slipped and it landed, uh, scoped down on a rock. So it dented the cap, mm-hmm. right? And of course I'm mid trip and I've gone, Oh, that's all right. It's just a dented cap until I tried to take the cap off, which was touching the, uh, the, the adjuster, uh, dial on the inside. So of course, when I went to take the cap off, it went <laughs> around and, and ruined zero. Yeah. Um, so there was lots of things that needed to happen there, but it turns out that this scope now no longer um, adjusts properly and it needs to go back now that's, I can figure that out for myself but there is a safety aspect that comes with rifles. Absolutely, you can, yeah, any, any you drop of fire, absolutely. Yeah,
2: look I mean, I suppose. Oh
0: it, yeah, look, I've seen I've seen it. Sorry. I was just going to say go it, 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 it
2: can sort of depend, I guess, uh, as part of it on the type of gun, uh, obviously so a shotgun, I mean, is would be more susceptible to a potential problem with, with the barrels themselves. Obviously they're thinner. Um, you know, you get a, a decent size whack in the side of a barrel and it's basically a barrel obstruction. Um, other mm. terms, you know, other types of quality of heat treating and stuff on rifle barrels and actions. Like I said, if, if it's, I mean, if you've carrying it and you've dropped it onto the dirt, chances are it's probably not really done anything except maybe shifted your, your zero yeah. the gun. Um, if you dropped it onto a, on a pretty sharp rock, I'd, probably go that that's probably the start of a bad weekend of hunting let's just go home you have a beer cry uh and then send it in and have a lease checked out um but yet again you'd you'd be surprised i mean they are pretty strong i mean at the end of the day think think Mm. about what a lot of guns have gone through through every world war conflict you know being thrown at people you know all that sort of stuff so i mean at the end of the day it might not shoot as good but it does take quite a bit to cause a potential uh, dangerous situation in that regards. You're more likely to get something mm. in the end of the barrel, you know, a bit of water or something. That's a hundred times more dangerous um, than just yep. going. Oh, I'll drop mm. my gun on a, a bit of rock. Usually.
0: Yeah. Look, I saw a guy. I saw a guy break a you know a styre the the um, synthetic stock just just around the pistol grip once on a hunting trip. Actually, to Pilliga, strangely enough. Um, you know, and that that was. Yep. That broke, or the the start of it breaking, because he split it. You know, he put a split in it, and it just got it opened up, and eventually, it peeled off. So, if you think the stock kind of did like that on itself, because it's synthetic, that all happened because he um he 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 packed the 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 gun box that it was in the wrong way, and you know couldn't close it, so put all the pressure on the lid, and it. They just happened to be that. That just happened to be the pivot point for that rifle right there on that stock. So you know, eight hours of driving down to Pillager it was just under tension and, and finally gave out there on the at, at the pistol grip, and that's that. That's what caused it. He he, he did it himself.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd say ninety nine percent of of firearm damage would generally be to either the synthetic or timber stocks. Obviously, ten times weaker than, mm. than a barrel or an action. Um, but you know, I've seen. People drive over actions of cars that sort of with cars that sort of thing, Um, which yeah, definitely, definitely wouldn't just be picking it up and and taking it for a shot afterwards. Um, Mm. Yeah, like I said, it is very much depends on what has happened. (laughs) Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I break a a loophole that again. I was with with (laughs) to Yeah. It it was a it um and what happened was it had the. so it was a three dial scope, and um, when I had it slung over my shoulder on on, on my left hand side, that dial, that was on the inside, caught and uh, pulled off, and uh, you know, so we went, oh, hang on, <laughs> We're in a bit of trouble here. So uh, we gaffed, gaffer taped it at a hundred yards. <laughs> we got we we. we Re-side at a hundred yards and then gaffer tape the whole thing and his <laughs> big ball of gaffer tape. <laughs> so it was it. it. said it was in a hundred yards. I've got I've got range after that. That's it. That's it. Was no, There was nothing for yeah. But uh, it still worked. But yeah, I, I certainly. Um, that was a that was a that's the only time I've broken any gear in in the, in the scrub. Um, and I've I've had it. You know, get knocked around. But it was the only time I've ever mm. broken it.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, this scope that I was talking about. Um, it might have been the beginning to a bad hunt, Byron, but I was uh, 14 hours drive from home. I'd, I'd not been there very long, and, and I was supposed to be there for a week. so I wasn't leaving. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so similar situation to Mark. I bore sighted it, you know, and I knew that anything within 50 metres, I was dangerous. Um, but I wasn't going home after a trip from uh, Queensland to Victoria. That's for sure. Sometimes, sometimes um, that's uh,
2: why having backup iron sights is a good idea. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, well, you don't see that yeah. anymore, do you? Not, not, a, mean, lot. Yeah, once, not a lot. I mean, that was once, you know, almost, almost. It was, yeah, it was almost, you know, the standard. Have a, have a, uh, have iron sights on the barrel and uh, and in the action, and then have a scope on top. Absolutely. So, Byron, you mentioned but um,
1: synthetic and you know and timber stocks, and <clears throat> many of us hunt with synthetic stocks now because obviously they're lighter and and we've been told that they're not affected by moisture and that did timber are timber stocks really heavily affected by moisture if you're moving from, say, Queensland up into the high country or something like that? Is it a big difference for us to consider synthetic stocks?
2: Look, it can be. I mean, it, it, it sort of depends on on how it's treated as well and the different types of timber stocks, obviously, laminates and, and solid and, and even different species of timber. Um, look, it, it is something to maybe consider. I, I mean, generally speaking, the biggest issue with, with a timber that you want to consider is, you know, water ingress or moisture ingress and then changing the humidity point again so you know if you're out hunting and it's absolutely raining cats and dogs and then finish with the day chuck it in the car and you drive home eight hours and the heater run full bore that yeah can cause problems you know you can get cracks and splits and things like that um or at the very least it'll affect the finish of the of the stock but in saying that i mean if if it's a, a high quality piece of timber that's been treated correctly and finished correctly and and you maintain it properly um not not such such a a huge huge issue obviously there is still the potential unlike synthetics i mean that's probably why it's um more popular now synthetic you don't really don't really have to think too much about it um whereas yeah timber i mean shotgun's a prime example you know if someone shoots in in the wet weather or it rains a little bit it's usually a lot of cleaning and and stock conditioning and oiling and, and drying things out um yeah, I mean it, it can
0: happen for sure. Mm. I suppose <laughs> synthetics the other is not a, you know a generic. It's a generic term, but it's certainly not a generic product. Absolutely I mean, not. You can go from from basically blow form plastic all the way through to carbon fiber and then mixed carbon like um that Mesa stock. That's a that's a glass composite mixed um, you know carbon stock. So and that's actually. That's the first synthetic stock that I've, I've, you know, rifle I've ever had. I've had, I've had um, laminate timber and timber, but that Mesa was, is the first one that was, you know, really, truly a, a synthetic stock. So I mean, straight, that straight to the upper end of it. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing, that thing's bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah, that is, that's a, yeah. It's, um, but there again, it's, 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 I mean, I remember the, the, the Tika T3, the, the tika light the black it was almost like a blow form type of stock that you know it was they actually i think they they put more filler in it the next time around because it was actually a super lightweight thing but you could you know you could almost feel, feel like drumming when you mm-hmm. shot it
2: yeah like synthetic stocks obviously vary in, in their composition and quality and even the materials um mm. you know they're definitely not all created equal um and i have seen some stuff you know from yeah, yet again changes in temperature can do some strange things to synthetics if they're sort of on the lower end of quality you know you can have a bend start or, or oh, yeah. Yeah, say, like i said it's mm. very uncommon nowadays but i have seen a few of them um and then the other one is obviously the surface treatments that they put on them whether you know if there might be a soft touch or some sort of rubberized coating on them can can go bad with you know exposure to uv yeah and, and humidity yeah absolutely still can happen
0: absolutely yeah, humidity being the big yeah. one, that's it. I mean, that's a perennial problem from about, you know, September right through to April, May. Yeah. I was I trying go, to remember which one. I, I go life. through those, you know, those humidity tub things, those uh, crystal things, I go through one of them a couple of, every couple of weeks in the safe. Yeah,
2: don't have that problem so much down here in Melbourne. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. I literally go to Bunnings, buy a bundle of them, and they just, you know, every couple just, of weeks uh, <laughs> throw them out. They just full just of water. Just be careful
1: with those, Mark, because if they if they leak on your rifle, you're going to have some issues.
0: Um, yep. well, I put them at the bottom of the same. Yeah, so. <laughs> I yeah, I had one.
1: Gravity being yeah, what it is, I had one I... which uh, which which leaked on a rifle, you damaged a rifle, and shot. onto my nine point three, and um, it's actually going down to Byron to be uh, to be to be fixed up. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. right. so we're gonna be we're gonna be oh, yeah. putting Byron skills to the test uh, on my uh, on my nine point three, which is All right. All right. Um, going to be seracoted and, and treated with that Beretta love. So we'll see how it comes back. So
3: yeah. So whilst you're talking about yeah. that, while you're talking about that, tell you, tell us about this best coating that the Lupos Ooh, have nah. got, and can I get nah. it on something else? That shit is bloody I, I good really
2: wish i really do wish uh, look that that i mean that, oh, that is a, 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 a proprietary coding and to be honest it, it's still quite a bit of secrecy around the in the entire process of how it's made oh, okay. um, even though, like i said I, i'm not fully aware of all the details of it but let's say benelli have spent a lot of money uh, and a lot of machinery acquisitions but it, it's very similar to a dlc process um with some tweaks and changes to, to how they do it. But it is. What does that so mean? To that? The diamond diamond like. What's diamond a DLC process? Code. So it, it, it can vary in how it's done. Diamond yeah, like. So it's a surface infusion um, that they, they do to it. And basically, it creates a, a super hard sort of scale or layer to the outside of it, if you will. Um, and that is why they're so, so scratch resistant um, or just wear resistant, full stop. So
3: it's bloody good. Yeah, it is, so it, it, is yeah. it is.
2: Mm-hmm. impressive in In our showroom down uh in head office here in melbourne we actually have uh sort of like a, a example that benelli sent us there where they do sort of salt water erosion tests with them and compared to just a regular steel blued barrel um all sorts of stuff like that uh i think it was a week-long salt water exposure or something like that but, oh, yeah a yeah, yeah. long time and obviously look don't get me wrong it, it got affected but they've got you know, one here the the best treatment and then just regular barrel and the regular barrel looks like it was underwater for, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, and the best looks like it was in there for maybe an hour. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was something like a week yeah, in a very high salt environment, which is you know, as brutal of a t- test as you can for rust really. Um, but yeah, mm. it, it is a, a very impressive coating, um, comes in a few different finishes now, other than just the shiny one. There's also a matte version of it as well. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So look, it's incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, I haven't seen anything quite like it
3: anywhere else. Wow. Neither have I. And and noticeably smooth in the action. Absolutely. Like I know the the inside the action doesn't have that coating, but the bolt does. And just the pickup of the round with the bolt, it, it almost. Don't feel the resistance.
2: Yeah. Well, it, obviously the, the other part of it, obviously it's very, very hard, but it's also very, very smooth, um, in terms of its mm. surface finish. Um, yeah. And, and being that it's such a hard coating, uh, and the, the wear of them on each other, they, they tend to slide rather than cut into each other. And that's sort of the, the, the idea and purpose of that part of it. Um, and that's why they, yeah, they're like glass, it's a bit like two pieces of glass sliding on each other mm, is the best definitely. way to explain it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. very impressed. Wow, I haven't um, seen that one. I mean, I've, I, I haven't have seen it, I've seen them in the shop. I mean, I've, I saw those rifles, I saw them go through my hands. <laughs> the other guy, but uh, <laughs> but, if but, I uh, could get the machine here, not, I they're not lefty, so I didn't, I really wasn't that interested in them. They weren't lefty, so I weren't that interested, but yeah. I haven't had anything to do with it but certainly so I know Ian was raving about it and said, Can we get everything? Yeah, get we this. were asking that question, yeah. but I just want everything with that best totally Yeah, well send the patrol down, do everything,
3: fishing send rod, the, patrol. the whole nine yards, everything.
0: I made a, yeah. I made a
2: joke in passing of the, the, the big boss at Barretta and said, Hey, we should get the, the process the machine here to do it. And he looked at me and went, you have no idea how much that setup costs. <laughs> uh, really? yeah, it, yeah, it's a very, very intricate, uh, very obviously labor inducive and, and not something you probably, I mean, you could set it up on a smaller scale, I imagine, but it, yeah, it's more of a, a mass-produced um, mm. level to,
0: to oh, make. I'm it happy.
3: I'm happy to send all my other rifles to <laughs> <control>. <laughs> I don't need to buy all the gear. That's
0: right. Well, it just, helps
3: just, color out. Yeah, well, look, I, right, I, we'll I, just going
0: a container. Yeah, yeah. We we'll, we'll get a single container, put everything in it, and send it back to Italy, and they so just coat everything. <laughs> Not sure how that would go down. The oh, whole look, lot. I could
3: ask the question. <laughs> so,
0: right. You
3: know people, right? That's fine.
0: That's right. Yeah. Kind
3: of. While while we're on the subject of um of maintenance, um, lots of schools have thought about barrel cleaning with hunting oh, rods. That's a tool. That's a and that's I know a very loaded, a
0: very loaded, loaded uh, question nowadays. Oh well, it's the, forty-five no, it's minutes in. Let's in in get yeah, right, okay. right. <laughs> that's that's minutes in. Hour. Time to get the con- <laughs> Let's get the controversy going.
3: <laughs> it's a tough one because gunsmiths, by their nature, are very fussy yeah. people yeah. when it comes to what they do. So cleaners. You know the way they like stuff, but um, yeah, it's it, it, just two
2: schools. Of yeah, thought there here. is. I mean, I mean, there's probably more than two, but I guess it, it sort of can depend on what your purpose is uh, with the gun and and how it sort of reacts to you know having a bit of car- carbon fouling or copper fouling. Um, yeah, there is definitely two schools of thought. I mean, some of the some of the high end target shooters never clean their guns ever uh, and still win mm. awards and trophies and all the middle yards of it and then i have seen the other side of it where someone cleans over the top and damages the rifling with you know a a poor quality cleaning rod and stuff like that look uh, personally uh, with my own guns i always always put some oily patches through it when i'm finished shooting and then some dry patches that's that's the bare minimum and that's if i've been shooting all day i get home and i'm like yeah look i'm not gonna get high off hoppies or, or bloody sweet seven, six, two for the next hour, I'm going to clean and put them away and maybe come back another time. But I guess, yeah, it really, it really does depend. I mean, a lot of target shooters now I would probably say clean a lot harder when the gun accuracy drops off a little bit. Um, And they sort of just do that routine, you know, maybe get rid of the carbon, but not so much a heap of the copper fouling. Terms of hunting, I mean, hunting, I would say personally, you've, you've got more risk of corrosion versus an accuracy problem. I mean, the gun's going to shoot better than you can hunting, probably for a whole life, even when the barrel's worn out. So, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. In, in terms of a maintenance side of things, oiling and drying, obviously, the excess oil out of it um, and keeping on top of that would be number one. But I mean, it, it's like everything, you know, some people don't wash their cars ever haven't for 20 years some people wash them once a week religiously it, i suppose it really is a personal preference thing so long as you're not doing it to the point of detriment or or damaging the gum would probably be the the best piece of advice i could give you without reining in a, a lot of controversy <laughs> yeah
3: good advice yeah. i'm happy with that yeah. advice. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. and from, from that's up my, from my perspective i was always
1: told you should with a barrel you should shoot a barrel you know when you first Get a new rifle. You should shoot that barrel in. I have heard with the modern hammer forged barrels, you don't have to do that. Is Correct. that yep. accurate? Should you shoot a barrel in?
2: I, I've, I've yet again had the experience of having, you know, obviously brand new guns from Tika or Seiko come through, um, and we might, you know, do some testing um, with whatever they are, and we basically pull them out of the packet. Um, I always put just one little bit of cleaning solution through the barrel with some patches, obviously, to get rid of any oil or anything that, that the manufacturer probably pumped in there for corrosion resistance during shipping straight down to the range and just start whacking away rounds and they shoot <laughs> better than I can I- any day of the week and that is just part of the way with them made with hammer forging, it's very consistent um, you don't have you know so much tight spots and things like that or variation that shooting in the barrel so to speak would remove or, or uh, improve upon so yeah, I guess it depends on how the barrel's made is probably the biggest key to it. Um, if it's a forged barrel, most of the time manufacturers would sort of say, just shoot it. Um, like I said, T and Sega 100%, you pull it out of the pack, give it its one sort of clean mm. and away you go. But if it's a tr- more traditional, you know, cut rifling uh, or, or button rifle, then, yeah, generally you still want to keep to that, you know, shoot clean, shoot clean sort of uh, arrangement that most people do.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because it's one of of those things that always generates an argument. Um, I was always told that you run in a barrel. And um, what I liked about the idea of running in a barrel, especially if it's a new shooter, is that um, it makes them think about what's happening with the rifle. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, if you have your first 20 rounds... So you got you got new rifle and you have got your box of ammo. If you're a new shooter and you just start punching through rounds and you don't understand what's actually happening, you know, why is it landing where it is and things and things like that, you know, you can you can expend a lot of ammo and not have a, not have a sighted in rifle. If you actually approach it like you're wearing you're running it in, it makes you actually think about each yeah. shot because the way I used to run in was basically the first 20 was I'd do five one shots and then I'd go to twos and, and then, and that way. And I found it always made me think more about the rifle itself. And that was the, even when, so even with, you know, rifles that I get to review, I'll still do that process to start because it just, it just kind of settles you in and go, okay, this is where it's throwing. This is where the, you know, this is what the scope's telling me, but this is what the rifle's telling me. Yeah. And um, I was at the range a couple of months ago and it, it was exactly happening. There was a father and son. Old man was a, was a shooter. It was, it was introducing his son. His son was in his early twenties and they had a, a new lift guy and they were about up to the fourth box of ammo and they still couldn't basically put it on paper. And they were just, and they just kind of thought if I just keep shooting, eventually I, you know, it'll kind of all come together type thing. You know, I, and literally, in about you know, ha- just talking to them and working with them within you know five or six shots, we're on paper, and then we started, then we started to you know to 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 z- side in at a hundred and get some getting some, some consistency out of it. So I that's why I always liked running it in So I was I was I always think about it now I was probably running myself in more to the rifle rather than r- running the rifle. Yeah, look,
2: I, I would say that, look, there's nothing wrong with doing it. Still to this day, I mean, you're not. Obviously, if you're using the right equipment, uh, you're not rushing the job and potentially scratching the bore or whatever. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, I, I mean, there's still plenty of people that would still do it. Um, you're not going to cause any detriment by doing it at all. Uh, I suppose the biggest thing would be, you know, it's people's maybe, I've seen a few people who go, oh, well, it's hammer forge barrel. I don't need to run it in. I don't need to clean it. And it sort of stays with that last bit. I don't need to clean it. <laughs> and then and then they go that little extra step. Ah oh, no, it's hammer forged. it'll be fine. There's nothing to worry about with, you know, rust or or anything like that. And, you know, then lo and behold, oh my gun doesn't shoot accurately. And you you get it and it's fully copper fouled. It's, you know, it's terrible, terrible condition, it hasn't been looked after. So yeah, obviously it's hammer forged. the gun still needs to be looked after, it still needs to be maintained. So yeah, I mean the the running in thing absolutely still. If you want to do it for sure on a hammer forge gun, you can. Doesn't hurt anything. Um, but if you go went and picked up the gun on a Friday and you've got a hunt organised on Saturday, no worries.
0: <laughs> so if we expand cleaning out to maintenance, you know what would be your recommendation for maintenance? Yet again,
2: it depends on the type of gun uh, and its configuration. So, uh...
0: well, let's let's. You know, most of our listeners yeah. are hunters and so they're going to be shooting something that is primarily what you might describe as a hunting yeah. rifle. Um you know, that that's a pretty broad but you you I suppose if we stick within that, we're talking about you know, bold action, typically bold action rifle, probably a thirty cal or somewhere in that space, repeater, yeah. um, you know, something like that. What are we thinking about maintenance? Not once as in let's see let's start with preventative maintenance so what should we kind of think about doing before we take it okay
2: so number one is always oil Uh, oil is your friend on everything it doesn't mean you have to dunk it in it but you obviously always want to stay on top of any rust or corrosion obviously going out in the hunt you know you're going to get moisture you're going to get rain you're going to get mud and everything like that and in between Um, so you know i suppose from the pulling it out of the safe, um, if you've been cleaning and oil the gun, the first thing I'd always say would be put a dry patch through the gun, make sure there's no huge accumulation of oil in the bore that can potentially be dangerous. Um, I guess from there would be the, the sort of the once-over, make sure everything's as it was when you put it in the safe and hasn't fallen or changed or anything like that. But in terms of preventative into into the field, really the only thing would be to go look in the weather, go, oh, look, it's going to rain, i put some... Uh, anti-rust sort of coating, like, you know, some of those wipes you can buy from the from the shop or just some oil on a rag, light sort of coating on the on the metalwork. And then if it's a timber stock would be a conditioning product or or a protective product for your timber. So not gun oil. Uh, something you know, there's there's heaps of brands that, that make stuff that basically just adds a very thin, very watered down coat of something like linseed oil or something like that, which gives it a little bit of resistance to rain and, and moisture and stuff. That would be, you know, going out there, finished for the day, coming home. Bore snakes are great for a quick, you know, clean, maybe get rid of any moisture or something inside the barrel before you get into the car. Um, and then, you know, and the same thing as well. I, every time I go to the range or I go out anywhere, it's oil and a rag in my, you know, gun bag or whatever give it a quick wipe down. Um, if it's gotten super, super wet, not always a good idea to put it into a gun bag. Uh, you're creating a, you know, potentially humid environment uh, or trapping moisture into your bag. And, and that can, you can put a gun in and especially where you guys are, put a, a wet gun into a bag and pull it out two hours later and it'll be rusty. Um, so, you know, there's obviously other options, even leaving the bag open a little bit, um, get home and then and, and it's the cleaning sort of thing and, And yet, the oiling and preventative maintenance. I think some people overthink it a little bit too much sometimes.
0: Mm. Um, I I, I use silicon socks for for everything. I found that's probably the best way to. For us here in Queensland, to to battle you can't defeat it, but battle humidity. So everything's in a silicon sock as well. They do make silicon rags as well, which work quite well. Yeah, Yeah. I, 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 I do use them, but the the you know. The socks are nearly always built for shotguns, so you do you have to bit kind of
2: stretch of act, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, stretch over, maybe modify them a little bit with the scissors. But yeah, I put everything in silicon socks, and I find that that and they're, they're cheapest chips, and you know, yeah, you you get them in four packs, so you can cover of my things. The other thing for me, for maintenance, that it's and it's a personal thing, is that and everyone who hunts, if you've got a rifle sling. Please put oil on the sling mounts because there's nothing will worse than hunting with someone and go. The squeak, yeah. <laughs> And then look, the other
2: one that goes with that is leather please. conditioner on your leather sling, hundred um, percent. I mean, I suppose you have to look at a, a rifle as a a sum of parts. You know, different different components and and how each component yep. is maintained. Uh, same thing with scopes. The amount of scopes I get sent to me that have. God knows what on the front lens of them, you know, whether it's spit, sweat, blood, who knows? I don't want to know. I don't want to think about it. A bit. But you, you know, I said, oh, the scope's really hard to see through. And you look at the front of it and go, oh,
0: I wonder why. <laughs>
2: um, you know, lens cleaners and wipes, you know, things, things like that it doesn't have to be super, super complicated. But just look at it and go, okay, well, that's steel, blued, not, you know, and the, and the other things, oh, stainless gun, I don't need to oil it no that's i wish that conception would stop but stainless guns you still need to put oil on them they stain less not stain
3: proof um and stainless meaning they stain less not that it's stainless steel right
2: (laughs) stainless steel no stainless steel is what i'm talking about stains less not proof yeah still got to put oil on it still got to keep an eye on it you know you put And different types of stainless have different sort of corrosion resistance, but that's the word. That's the word Mm. is resistance. It's not impervious. Mm. It's not bulletproof against it. Um, So it's yet again something to keep in in consideration, you know.
0: For some reason, I always found that I had a a CZ and that was very susceptible to rust and mould on the timber stock and rust on the barrel or the beginnings of rust on the barrel where it could be sitting next to a rifle of a different brand and that rifle wouldn't have anything on it, but the CZ wouldn't. And the, yeah, so I don't know exactly what it is in the composition or the manufacturing process, But I found that particular one was always really susceptible. Um, I haven't really had too much problems with that. CZ was the the, the challenge. Um, that was the one that I had a really look after it. especially through summer it would just it, it would start to bloom on the stock you know the the mold would just bloom up on the stock couldn't couldn't figure it out why
2: yeah it, it's interesting like the yeah, different ways they're manufactured you know from a bead blast finish on steel yep. to high polish different sort of uh resistance to it uh and then you know the other thing that, that a lot of people don't consider is you're even the person using it uh, I some people have sweat hands you know they're very acidic alkaline sweat that that eats into that stuff very, very quickly. Um, You know, I could see, oh, I oil my guns all the time, but did you oil them before? You handled it, put it away. That can sort of, that can be problems. You know, you can Mm -hmm. end up with a fingerprint on the side of a barrel or something like that. Um, All all manner of things. Yeah, but absolutely the way the gun's finished, you know, if it's polished, not polished, bead blasted, if it's got file marks because it's 80 years old and was made using a, a bastard file... It obviously all changes depending on that.
0: Well, I haven't seen fire marks. That'd be interesting. Well, I
2: haven't shot a Russian Mosin then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I've, I've seen I've seen plenty of them, but I've never shot one. Ever. But next time I, I see one, I'm going to look for fire marks. I've got something here that's three hundred years old. It's got no fire marks on it. Well,
2: not all guns are created equal.
0: <laughs> no, obviously not. So, I mean, that's the uh, kind of the, the you know, when things go wrong. So, I mean, luckily I've never spoken to you about problems. We've always spoken about, you know, cool stuff to do. So what's the kind of, if I want to, you know, if I want to customise, and this is another argument, is it a customised or is it customised? So well, what are the things that mostly you're doing for people who want to upgrade or improve yeah, so, their gear? Yes, I
2: mean, we offer... Uh, quite a different a vast different amount of services operator uh, Australia um, trying to add more all the time uh, but look the big ones are obviously rebarrelling services uh, coding is, is a very large one um, you know part interchanging lightning things like that so I mean th- there is a lot of stuff you can do um we don't do all of it <laughs> uh it's not always the easiest thing to do a million different jobs at once but yeah look i mean seracoding is obviously a, a very obvious one to to a lot of people um stock replacements or or changes to the stock you know might be something as simple as making the stock longer because you might be really tall or shortening because you might be shorter um could be changing the finish of the stock because you don't like it shiny you want it a satin finish um Could be shortening the barrel slightly because you feel it's too long could be putting a muzzle thread on it could be simple or can be complicated so i guess it sort of depends on the number one thing with customizing a rifle is what do you want to achieve with it what's your goal what what's the idea for it um it's the number one thing you know if you go well it's a hunting gun i want it light as possible or i want it exactly this weight or i want this balance to it uh, it gives you uh, some ideas of, of where to go um that's that's the number one is working out the the end result. Like like we spoke about when we did the indie rifle with you, you know, what did you want to use it for? Um what was weight a huge consideration, was length of consideration. Um and then it boils all the way to, to what colours do you like, what colours do you not like? Um yeah, you really I mean, it, it sort of depends on, on how deep the rabbit hole you want to go down. Um do you want engraving or? <laughs> um
0: yeah, so well, it got yeah, exactly. Some...
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously modifications to improve a gun and then there's more of the aesthetic sort of stuff, you know, engraving and, and crazy color schemes, Cerakotes and things like that. But from a functional point, it's changing the balance or the weight. Um, obviously the accuracy, if that's something else, trigger, pull weight, um, et cetera, the list can go on and on and on. Um, yeah, so that, that's always my recommendation to someone: is work out what they want to achieve with the gun, um, and then we can sort of work out how to get there.
0: Well, for me, I just didn't want to create the home mobile. That's that was my first thing. I was scared that we'd create this thing and it's like, you know, and have so many parts on it that it actually wouldn't function at all. But I mean, so you know, you mentioned accuracy. How what? What's what's the options there in terms of gunsmithing for accuracy? I mean, obviously, you know, there's many parts accuracy, one being the load itself. But from a rifle point of view, what are you looking at in terms of improving accuracy on a, on so, a hunting rifle? So, yeah, look,
2: I, the hunting rifle side of things, I mean, it, it depends on... The base rifle to begin with you know not all hunting rifles are obviously the same design of bedding in in the receiver and area and stuff like that or recoil lug even the barrel design itself and the taper and length of it just into the general part of the barrel quality itself you know if you if you've got something that's maybe 40 50 years old it's obviously going to be worn out the barrel might have been made obviously on older technology it might not be that good to begin with um so i mean obviously a big one for accuracy is to change the barrel Um, you know, sometimes, and that can also be done for the weight side of thing, you know, put a carbon fiber barrel on it. Um, not only is it lighter, generally it's stiffer, better heat dissipation. Um, I mean, the weight is probably the one thing people think about the most, but you know, you can go into action truing and alignment, glass bedding, pillar bedding, um, yeah, changing the entire stock will make, sometimes make the gun shoot better sometimes worse. Um, It it sort of depends on a a bit of a case by case of what is the gun um, and maybe identifying if there is a problem with the gun and or where that problem might be. If you go, I've got a gun that shoots one inch constantly and consistently as a hunting gun, and some people go, I want it to shoot better than that for a hunting gun. Fair enough. Um, I mean, sometimes you have to have a conversation is, can you shoot better with that gun hunting? That's sometimes... You know, some people don't think about that, but if you want to drive a, you know, five rounds through one hole, fair enough, I'm not going to stop you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really does depend on, on how you want to achieve that, uh, some of the ideas for it. So I remember we, I think we spoke about a carbon fiber barrel on yours uh, when we were sort of going through that design thing. And I think you sort of didn't want it too light, which... Uh, It's not always a is always a smart idea. Sometimes you don't want a super super light rifle; they're not fun to shoot. Sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was for me personally. It was more the fact, and this might be wrong, but I suppose this is what you get in terms of the individual. I've always found that for an offhand shot, I actually want a bit of weight on the rifle. Yeah, I want it to kind of sit, you know, to sink a little bit. It it you obviously. It's a balance. You don't want it too heavy where you're actually straining to hold it. But, you know, a, a super light rifle in an offhand shot, you know, doesn't give me as much, doesn't give me confidence as well. You know, it's the fact that I just, I want, I did want a, a, some weight in the rifle. I mean, it's a 308. Um, it was a 20 inch barrel. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to boot that hard anyway. But it was more about I wanted to have that you know it felt really well and that was and that was all based on the fact that back in 2018 i was given up that opportunity to to do a 10-day hunt with a cdr and kind of realized how much i liked the way it was set up and the weight of it so i didn't want to play too much around that but for me the, the the big kind of um uh, experiment was the the stock and the fact that it used that you know that vertical grip and it had a quite a high comb that i wasn't used to that but i found that i've you know i really really like shooting that but that was one of the things you know i think one of the things about any kind of customizing work like this is you're actually going to have to experiment a little bit you have to accept that you know it's if you're going to change something so dramatically and you're used to one thing it's going to feel different to you no matter how good you put it together when yeah. you put it on your body, it's going to feel different because it right. is different. So you've got to be able to be really get get ready to actually accept, okay, this does feel different. It's it's a different grip. It's a different situation. It's a different setup. on my cheek and things like that. Yeah, so. I mean, that, that can also
2: come into a but balance the, point as uh, well. is something a lot of people don't always think about mm. is, you know, they go, oh, I just want a really, really light gun. But balance can, can change that dramatically. You might have something that's really, really light overall but has a bit more weight up, sort of on the front end of it, and and you might find yeah. that it still still can shoot off hand, you know, because you've got that balance is sort of pulling you more forward. Whereas if the opposite's true, if it's real balanced in the rear end of it, you're going to find it very difficult to shoot off hand. Then um, it might be a little bit skittish and off target, target and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so there's there's many many things to consider. Um, Especially if it's something you know you want to do a drastic or dramatic, um, custom you know one-off sort of gun.
0: So I mean, with that too. So, I mean, there's a lot of you know you, like everything. There's trends in firearms, and I mean, you know the, the the practical rifle setup with the you know the chassis style of rifle has been coming. You see them more Absolutely, and more yeah. now, and um, they're they're you know they're they're. Yeah, you know, I've actually seen some guys hunt with them. I actually think that, that's 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 way too hard for me to do <laughs> yeah. that. But certainly, you know, it's a it's a personal choice. But yeah, you see, so you you're actually getting that, I suppose, much much more towards a a, a target platform that's being used in various situations rather than a hunter. Yeah, rifle. I mean,
2: obviously, something that's very very popular over in America and stuff, and and is sort of obviously catching on here. Is there's a lot of people that are doing long-range hunting, you know. So, so generally speaking, the, the weight consideration mm-hmm. of the gun kind of goes a little bit out the window in some aspect of it because you've got an idea plan for where you're going to go. You know, you're not going to be lugging the thing for kilometres and kilometres through a jungle. You know, you're going to pick pull up in the car, maybe walk however far and, and set up. And, and, you know, watch over things and have the gun set up and maybe a bipod or, or a sandbag, rests, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's those sort of guys that, that do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit more of a crossover sort of style of, of shooting, I suppose you could say. Um, yeah, always something to consider. Everyone likes shooting things differently and has different styles for doing things. Um, but that's the idea of making something for someone.
0: Yeah, I mean, that the... Sarko S Twenty is a really good yep. example of that. You know, that's that's getting to a, a level of modulization where you can really customise. You, you know, customise that in a retail sense. Basically, yep. buy the customised pieces and and go for it. I was, I was really impressed with that rifle when I got it. And it's three and a 300 Win Mag, and you know, it was a, it was certainly no slouch. But the the ability to customise it was was pretty impressive. Use one down at in Victoria, didn't you, John? Yeah, we shot them at the Breda dealer day. There was a couple of them around. That mm. was good fun. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, they were, they were in- they they're interesting thing. You know, I had the the hunting one, the ergonomic, you know, and it was yeah, it was it was a completely different setup that I was used to. Um, and the fact that you know, there's like three or four, three or four um, locking bolts, and you you can. Change stock and the whole lot and go through. And then, even when you get into the, uh, when you turn into a custom uh, a target rifle, you know, you get the little bits you can get. I can't think of it, but the the little screw in tro- uh, monopod that goes into the bottom yeah, stock, and all that oh, kind on, of yeah. really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's barricade stops. I thought, uh, i never used one of them before, but anyway. <laughs> but even the, um, the Benelli's.
1: The way they come out the box are very customizable. You can change your, you know, the length of pull. You can adjust the comb. You can do all of that. They're great rifles. You know, you don't need to go the custom route if you need to adjust it to to fit your body and your needs, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, they've got pitch adapters and all sorts mm. of stuff and like that. And the BRX. Yeah, BRX mm. has similar features to it as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so on the BRX, um, interchangeable barrels, yep. right? You get the bolt face and you get the extra barrel. I have not yet, I'm not the smartest uh, rifle guy out there. I don't understand all of the bits and pieces and components. I like to shoot them. I enjoy hunting. <coughs> uh, I don't reload. I don't do any of that. comes out of the box on the way I go. I make it fit me rather than the other way around, um, which is why I've got a bruise on my forehead from the weekend. <laughs> not as bad as my mates. But. Um,
0: That's what happens when you use a 7. the legalities
3: the room, of the. How are the legalities of the um interchangeable barrels going to work? Because people are saying that you can go and buy a I can go and buy a you know, a three oh barrel for the thirty oh six but I'm I don't have a PTA for a thirty eight a three. Yeah, so
2: I'll I'll
3: like <laughs> how does how does the mechanics of this work? And is it the same in every state?
2: I'll preface this by saying I'm not Going to give advice for the entire of australia uh but i can give you i can can at least tell you here in victoria so uh and and it applies to other states some other states there's obviously the control parts of the firearm and and generally speaking the control part is the action or the receiver of the firearm that's the one you're putting the permit in for Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. a barrel is not technically a controlled or permitted part so it is controlled in the fact you can't import them into Australia without uh, governor general's approval and things like that but if it's here in the country already uh, you can buy it you have a deal you have a firearms license that allows you to, to own that component of the gun it's not it's not considered um, yeah, it's not considered a control part it's not the the most critical part of the gun i mean most think people go well it's the barrel it's where the bullet comes out of that's the most critical part and, and it's not it, it's really generally speaking is the receiver the, the action itself is the part because that's i suppose what everything bolts to would be the easiest way of explaining it so yeah you, you can buy uh, barrels on Brownells australia's website um you know things like that and i mean obviously you have to present a valid firearms license but it's perfectly legal for you to purchase it and to have have them. Um, and I mean, that that sort of thing and the reason BRX sort of did that and that a lot of other manufacturers are doing this because, say, in Europe, there is a restriction on the amount of firearms you can own. Uh, so, so instead of, I yeah. mean, I, mean I, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, but it's not many. It's like two or three or something like that. So to sort of get around that, they go, well, okay, mm-hmm. we'll just have one gun that can have 10 different calibers, and, and that's what they do. Um, and that's and that's the idea of sort of the blazer and things like that. Um, you know, the receiver never changes, the serial number is always the same. Uh, but the barrel bolt is necessary, uh, can be changed out because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a barrel, don't have the receiver it fits to, it's not a gun, it's not a gun until it's on yeah. there, it's not going to do it's anything, it's just a piece of metal that, that's all it is. Um, True.
3: no, I think the. The reason it scratched my head was because um, I was told, and maybe I maybe this is incorrect, and I'd love to check on it again. I might have to do some Googling in a minute. Um, but I was told that if you disposed of your three oh eight and it came off your license and list of rifles in Queensland, you were no longer legally allowed to own three oh eight rounds. You had to dispose yeah, of the rounds different. with it. You can't yeah, keep different. rounds for a rifle you, you don't have. So I don't have... No, and I'm not expecting you to, to have that answer. I, I just think the mechanics in this country can be quite I, I know. Difficult. I'm not sure if it's still the um,
2: case. Like I said, it, it, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but New <coughs> South Wales, for example, mm. if you don't have the calibre of firearm on your licence, you don't own that calibre, you can't purchase that ammunition. Um,
3: so- right. Right. Which, so how do you then own the three oh eight caliber? You've got to go through a PTA. Great question. I don't know the answer to it. I'm sorry. All right? There's no serial number but on that there. There is actually there is there mm. is actually I, a serial
2: I, number I on don't... the barrel, uh, but it's not used as a permitted serial number. It's it's more of a you know manufacturer. Yeah,
0: that's right. The permits yeah, for yeah, the yeah, but, they, action, but all the yeah.
2: all the barrels that they manufacture do have a number on them. So I suppose in in that term, I suppose you could get a permit for them. I, I mean, I, I said it is a tricky one. I mean, here in Victoria have no issue. You can buy, have different barrel sets for guns and things. I mean, obviously you can buy guns that come with yeah. multiple barrel sets. You know, interchangeable barrels. Um,
0: mm. Yeah,
2: so I mean, it would be probably a grey area. I, I'm not 100% on the legality of that one, but...
3: Um,
0: yeah, so I'm it's not the sure barrel, also, it's the ammo, man. isn't it? It's yeah. not the it's barrel, the it's the
3: ammo. ammo. Yeah, it's well, the I'm ammo. Not, I'm not sure if they're, if they're both not a problem. Because um, mm. the, the other thing here is that you're not allowed to Modify um, specific components of a rifle. Here, you, you can't you know you can't change its caliber without going through a a paperwork. Yeah, that process. that
2: boils into the fact that the gun, when you say for instance you buy a, a BRX as a 308 and registered, that's what you put the permit in for. You're not actually changing the caliber of the receiver that's that's what it boils down to so if you have if you have a a traditional say Tika or seiko it's a fixed barrel doesn't come on and off uh that's what it's registered as whereas the brx is obviously it's a, a switch barrel caliber and i mean part of the process of importing them is that they have a classification of the gun uh so somewhere on their database it might say you know it's a switch barrel rifle so that sort of creates an exemption from it um, with the ammunition side of thing. I think you'll probably find that if you have a, I mean, here in Victoria, it's an AB rifle license, for example, if I have a B rifle license, I can purchase any rifle ammunition because the, 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 the argument is that I might be buying my friend some ammo um, or, or using his rifle. Uh, so I have the license to, to own that series of guns i might not own one but i can operate one and use it legally uh whereas if you try to buy a handgun ammo without a handgun license that can be in some states is where it's more probably the the issue um so if you've got normal rifle you're probably more than yeah. likely fine like I said i, I can't guarantee it from the legal, legal point
3: i think it's interpretation yeah. more than anything mate I, I'm, well i
0: know with the, sure. the pistol ammo
3: I, just,
0: just I know with pistol a... ammo it's it when so i was at the range once with helena when we first started going out and they they i'd been a member of double A for about 20 years then and i'd never been allowed in the pistol cage and the first time i took helena there she got invited to the pistol cage and <laughs> so I, went, I went okay sure and we had 38 and i bought couple of boxes of 38 for it to burn through and I, I gave them back at the end of the day cuz I didn't want to put 38 in my safe because I don't have the, the thing piston. there
2: though is that you can get rifles with so, that yeah, caliber in, in a rifle so
0: yeah No well I didn't I no, that very yeah. 38 is an example it could have been a 357 but the idea that at the instance was I didn't have a I didn't have a rifle with that ammo and so i thought oh yeah i won't I'll, I'll just give back Look, to best, get the best best
2: piece of advice i can give in, in that sort of regard is send an email to your local police department that does the licensing. It's easy i'm actually swearing. gonna
0: ask glenn down at um on target about that because yeah. that's where we'd be getting them through so yeah it'd be interesting because certainly the brx um with the 9.3 options are. Uh, you know, a 308 and a 9.3 up in the oh, Territory. That would be beautiful. Just, yeah. Hell Spot
2: on, on. it. Like you'll you'll mm. find that there will be some legislative way that it's been done. Like I said, I, I can't comment. Mm. I'm not super familiar with Queensland state laws and, you know, I know mm. what we are down here. Uh, but, yeah, every every state's a little bit different in how it does things and that that creates its own problems <laughs> and headaches. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah so i know mark what you brought up pistols and obviously beretta make pistols are you guys doing custom pistol builds yeah, and things like that for competitive shooters yeah, so so oh, we do yeah.
2: work on everything pistols rifles shotguns uh, the whole nine yards um yes yeah, so, i mean we, we just actually started doing a custom line of pistols from the workshop so we modify the 92x performance steel frame gun into a platform for what in ipsc shooting called the standard division um has its own sort of set of rules and, and setups for the guns, sort of sets it apart from, say, a production-type uh, pistol. But, yeah, we, we look, we do trigger works on stuff, obviously uh, component fitting and, and um repair works, the, the whole nine yards. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That 92X is the one we really <laughs> I <laughs> really 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 yep. like that. Yeah, pistol. we got
1: we got to shoot them at the um aim Point Day <laughs> yeah, and then at and the Beretta, I... Beretta Dealer Day we got to shoot some pistols as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had we had know, of, we had one of the custom We had a couple
2: of custom ones down there on the Dealer Day. Um, yeah.
1: I, yeah. I shot yeah, that one yeah. that was beautiful that. Yeah, right? yeah. So
2: like yeah, we do all, all that sort of stuff like I'm I'm a big pistol shooter myself. Um along with rifles and, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, we do shotgun work, um yeah, rifles and, and pistols and and all Everything in between, essentially. Um,
0: do you do the um, uh, the you know the the standard setup for the? Uh, is it the M nine? The, 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 stand,
2: the standard the standard version Beretta of M9? the Beretta ninety two series of pistols. Yeah. So look, there, there are parts you can put onto them that sort of come down to a model spe- spec. Um, the ninety two X is different frame and stuff like that.
0: Um, yeah. Now there's there's one of the breeders is it the M9? It's the um or is it something? It's, it's the one that's um, the coyote seracate color. Is that the M? Yeah. M9A3, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. So look, we got we got parts that we fit to those uh, to customize them as well. Um, yeah, like magwells and grip panels, um, mm. all sorts of stuff for them. Um, yeah, there there is a lot of stuff that you can do to them, uh, especially if you you know you're willing to maybe wait for some stuff to come from somewhere. Like, I mean, America obviously has huge, vast, vast quantities of of options of, of parts, whether it be a compensator or big heavy bull barrel, uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah, pistols, you can get if – you, if you go to a, any sort of IPSC or open competition of, of pistol shooting, you can see some crazy, crazy modifications done to pistols to get them that little bit of extra point score and stuff like that. Um, useless for anything else perfect for that competition you know it's obviously built for the purpose of that um yeah so there, there's lots and lots of
0: stuff you can do for sure okay yeah. i was gonna say now that you've got johnny's rifle for some reason it won't chamber but 9.3 by 66 <laughs> by the way something wrong with it wow. <laughs>
3: and that little piggy went yeah. to market That's All right. on its own, <laughs>
1: what is it, mate? It's a SAO 100 in 9.3 by 62.
0: By 60.
1: Yeah, yeah. and we went not 66. We went to the Territory and we had some ammunition sent up. And we're not trying to throw bread right up Australia under the bus here, but they sent one box of 9.3 by
2: 66. Six. And so go. we just
1: looked at, well, I just looked at 9.3 by 6 yep. and thought, yep, yep. that's going to work. And the first morning we were a bit tired and whatever, but we came up on, some, on a pig and... I went up to go and I tried to chamber this round and the bolt just wouldn't close.
2: Good. That's good that um, it didn't.
1: Because it was, yeah. <laughs> oh you know, yeah. Yeah. Look at um, yeah. And tried, yeah, tried a few different rounds and what was going on, what was going on. And then I looked at the head stamp and it said 9.3 by 6.6. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not shooting a 9.3 by 6.6. I, so. probably, I think
2: I might have a 9.366 um, reamer at work, to be honest. We can make that work if you want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, the rifle's going to be pretty we, soon. Yeah. Right. Just, uh,
0: <laughs> just make it work. That's all. It was a, it was the first game animal we saw yeah. on the trip. And it was this pig came down to the creek. And it was going, oh, pig. quick, quick. And had the camera set up and click. And the rifles like, it just wouldn't close. <laughs> yeah, the vault just wouldn't close. Right. Yeah, Never it. mind.
3: Mm. After last weekend. <laughs> big, oh, pigs, who needs it? there oh, were
1: Hundreds more, hundreds. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, look, let's okay. put
1: it
2: this way. Is, uh, yeah, it always pays to double check good. before you go.
1: Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that was a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That lesson was learned from that one is check that, yeah, make sure you're shooting the right ammunition in the right mm-hmm. rifle, especially if you've got, you know, multiple calibers. And make sure you're, you're picking up, you know, the right ammunition for the right rifle. Absolutely. That's definitely a lesson learned on that one. It could be catastrophic. Luckily, it wasn't. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> that's right, right. it was more I think Ooh, I was more worried about life eh? just shouting
3: at me and biting my head off for not
1: shooting the pig
3: <laughs> there was a fair bit of uh, swearing and sign language well, God, going on the- yeah. the- yeah. should have yeah. just,
2: the- just thrown the loaded um, round at uh, him probably would have been <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: well it wasn't that far away it wasn't that far away it was a little boar came down it was. It came down the water and then turned around it was yeah. just going up going, oh there it is oh
1: look that's good oh, well. fun but yeah, that rifle hitting your way by. So Byron, all so, these yeah.
3: these 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 customization services that you've got in the workshop, I'm assuming they're open to. They're obviously open to people that are buying new rifles. They're they're open to people that have got rifles yep. that would like to send them to you. Are you fussy um, if someone sends you a, a, a no, non Beretta no, like brand? Simply... Do you have the tooling for that, or is there a, uh, is look, there a we, limit?
2: We always start the conversation of of obviously trying, you know, emails or phone calls about what they want to do and, and obviously if we can do that for them. So, yeah, I mean, there's always the consideration if it's something weird or exotic, you know, it might have a, a specific um, maybe jig or, or barrel tool, for example, to take it apart, something needs to be considered. But generally speaking, yeah, we look, we do work on, on any make and model of firearm, um, something we sort of did as an initiative to, to grow the workshop and, and what we do. Um, but yeah, so, look, we, we do works on, on all sorts of things. Um but yeah, if it's if it's something that is very very unique and you know you want to change the barrel element and it has some crazy crazy retention method of how the barrel screws onto the action, obviously we need to consider that. We might not have the tool on the shelf for it. Doesn't mean we can't do it, um, or not willing to to have a look at it. Um, yeah. So we look. We we repair all sorts of things. We modify a lot of things. Um, Cerakoted, you know, Ruger and, a, and an Adler today. Uh, who knows what tomorrow brings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah so, oh, wow. um, I've got a Type pan in the workshop to do for someone. Um, I, I have, I'd have to go through the, the monstrous pile of work that sits before me to, to go through. But yeah, we do. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff we do. Uh, dealers order it for a customer off the shelf, so before we've even sent it to them, we might uh, do some cerakoting on it, or laser engraving, something like that, or muzzle threading. Um, yeah, and then. Obviously, mm. the, the dealers that get those those questions from a lot of guys that come in and go, oh, yeah, I've got this gun. I want to get it ceracoded. Yep, no problem. Send it over to us. We can sort it out. Um, yeah.
3: It's a great service.
2: Yeah, like mm. we, we saw the opportunity that it's not something, uh, such a large sort of um, business in Australia offering that sort of service. Um, we thought, let's let's give it a go. Let's see how it goes. Um, yeah. yeah, it keeps getting bigger and, and more people getting in on the service. Um so that's, that's what we're sort of aiming to do is give the best service, the best customer experience and, and that sort of thing. And like I said, we, we can't do everything, but we're working on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we, we do have a lot of services on offer. Um, and we are obviously trying to maintain a quick turnaround time as well for, for a lot of stuff, um, obviously depending on, on the job. Um, yeah, so always give us a, an email or get in touch with us on the phone um, and just run through what you want to do and, and what you want to achieve
1: and i mean personally i've you know i've already started that process with byron so we got in touch well i got in touch with byron with regards to my sail, which has got a little bit of surface metal damage to it from some rust um and you know we started the process about getting it sericoded. He, you know he inquired about you know what was the make what was the caliber what did you want done um and then what color did you want basically and i think you basically said the possibility is almost endless about what you want whether you want to go traditional whether you want to go minecraft the options are there um and we you know we started that process and had that conversation decided on what colors i wanted um and now we're just going to get the rifle down to them. that's all um yeah. and then yeah they'll yeah. work their magic so looking forward to seeing the finished product um and we'll definitely put it up
3: i think we're looking forward to we're looking forward to in the off season collecting up all of the magazines that we've got and sending them down for blaze orange treatment i mm. yep. uh, love what they've done with the brx with the blaze the the blaze magazine so you might get a <laughs> a post bag sometime shortly <laughs> with a dozen magazines to do for us. Easy peasy. <laughs> no. yeah, okay. yeah, really
2: good. The Cerakote one is, is probably the one where but, you, you can spend a lot of time talking uh, when, you know, some people might not have been to their website and seen how many colors there are. And then, oh,
3: it's and crazy. then add
2: worse, to the fact that you can custom mix colors and make something never done before as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of people go, and ask too many choices. So yeah, there is yeah, there is, can, for be. Me. That yeah, was it. can be so it's sometimes it's good yeah. just to go okay what colors do I like is primary colors, um, and then maybe do I want a traditional or do I want to go real out there mm. and different is, is a good way to maybe look at them.
1: Oh yeah, for me mm. I looked at the rifle. What is the rifle? What is the caliber? How does it look? It's got you know the timber stock. It's a nine point three. It's quite traditional. I've just thought a traditional color. Yep. Right. Well, I think Mark that that um, BRX of yours with the the Minecraft that's that needed that pattern it really does fit the rifle whereas I think mine's a lot more traditional and I want to keep it that yeah, way absolutely but I'm definitely going blaze orange mag that's for sure
0: the, the Minecraft one was interesting because you know Scott said I actually came up with something that initially was pretty mild you know I just wanted like solid greens and stuff and he said no nah. Why <laughs> bother doing that? <laughs> well, okay, sure. Let's let's think about it, you know, and say so, uh, we hit on the idea of digicam being the, you know, the being the 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 pattern, and then we played around with colors, you know. And I literally just watched TV shows and where I saw that different types of digicam because there is, you know, myriad of colors in it, and there was one that I liked that was kind of had a touch of, you know, it was slightly. It almost had like a blue in it and we just played around with ideas of that and and also that particular rifle you know the, the 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 desire for that rifle was to have an aim point so you know how how would the rifle look with very small optic on it type thing you know a a, a, a scope even a small scope is a is a much more dominant optic than the aim point so it was about playing around with that and saying okay what could what would also work with an aim point. So it was a fun process, and it's a lovely gun to shoot. There's no doubt about it. Um, and um, so that'll be going to the Pillager at the December end of the year. December we're planning that's a sure. trip yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, well, that'll be going, and maybe Severn beforehand. If we can get in. <laughs> if we can get in. Some buggers, let the secret out. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind. <laughs> Okay. Well, look, guys. Um, I think that's probably a good place to um bring it to the close. Any more f- from you, Ian or John?
3: No, I think that's been mm. great. Lots of lots of great questions answered, and um, I might go run an oily <laughs> rag
0: through my rifle. <laughs> well, you could talk if you talk to it. That's close now. So, well,
3: know, just, I'll be to, if it comes out twisted, it's because the barrel might mm, be. Bent. might be. Yeah.
1: You shouldn't leave. You shouldn't leave rifles in the dark, should you?
0: No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the name, Like, yeah, what's the name, a Keychain fob for your phone. You can find it. <laughs> Blaze Orange mags, that's what you need. Yeah, yeah, Blaise, yeah. I, I actually want to really run the Blaze Orange mags more than anything because, you know, it's just... a. It's a, you know, it's, it's a good standout an feature. There, and the yep. blaze orange for for know. most people is a, is an important part of yeah. their hunting, maybe, you know, Maybe, maybe
2: we'll send Suricode yep. an email and ask him to do some glow in the dark paint. How about that? Uh, <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll stick with the, uh, um, the, the bla- colour bla- <laughs> 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 that's right yep. just as long as it glows and it's only glowing the dark within the human optic spectrum yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah
2: man look Senna well work. thanks Byron That was a really good no, chat mate really no problem happy it. to be happy to join happy to be here
0: yep okay mate Thank again thanks for your time and, and for your information and uh, if you want to get anything done give Byron a call he thanks for cracking work cool. right, cheers okay guys yes, thanks mate. guys see you later